If you're not ready, I'm, I'm still going to go, but uh, I hope you are. If you have your Bible or your smartphone or whatever you're using uh, to look at the text this morning, or if you don't have one, that's okay, we'll have it on the screen. But you can go to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter number four is where I'm going to be reading from this morning. I'd like to look at a story. Um, it's an interesting story about Jesus himself uh, facing temptation. <clears throat> facing temptation from the enemy. And uh, I'd like to look at it this morning. My goal is to look at this story and to encourage us um, as me and you face temptation in our lives. In the context of this story in Matthew chapter 4, uh, it's coming out of chapter number 3, where Jesus is having, if you will, you could describe it, as a mountaintop experience or a, a very good chapter. Matthew chapter 3 is a great chapter for Jesus. There's a guy named John the Baptist who came before Jesus did. And his job was to prepare the way and prepare people for Jesus. So he's telling people, hey, the Messiah's coming. The Savior's coming. He's the one that's going to take away the sins of the world. He's coming. So when Jesus comes, John is declaring that to everyone. He's saying, hey guys, he's the guy. This is it. Stop the search. Look no farther Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of God. So Jesus comes onto the scene. John is declaring that he's the Son of God. And Jesus is baptized in Matthew 3. And when he comes out of the water, it's an amazing, it's an amazing scene. God the Father speaks to him from heaven saying, You're my Son, and I love you, and I'm pleased with you. How, how awesome is that? Before Jesus does any ministry or does anything... Just approval from the Father. You're my son. I love you. And I'm pleased with you. Aren't, aren't those words just powerful and incredible? And so, so Jesus hearing this from God after he's baptized. And so this is a good chapter for Jesus. We, we can call it a mountaintop, if you will. And it turns a quick corner, a very sharp corner, into the fourth chapter. And that's where we're going to pick up our reading. Starting in verse number one, the Bible says this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I love that it says the Spirit led him in the wilderness. For some of you, you're in a wilderness season and you've beat yourself up and told you it's your fault. But did you know you can be in obedience and in the wilderness? Verse number two is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. I think you'll see why it says, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. (laughs) Come on, some of y'all fast for 40 minutes and you get hungry. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I know that's me. Uh, then the tempter said, and he came to him, and he said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil, next, he took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Most scholars believe this point that they were standing at was 200 feet tall. 200 feet tall. And Satan says to him, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you when they will lift you up in their hands so that you won't strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now verse number eight goes to the third temptation of Jesus where the devil took him to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in all their splendor. All of this I'll give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus responded, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. My goal for the next few moments that we have together this morning is to take this text and encourage us in overcoming temptation. 
overcoming temptation. Here's what I know is true about your life. I don't have to know your name. I don't have to know your story. But what I know is true about your life is there's a real enemy and temptation is going to be true about you and your walk and your spiritual journey. That, that you, you will be tempted by the enemy. And my goal this morning is to look at the text and encourage us in overcoming temptation. Would you pray with me and then we'll get into the word. Father, we thank you for these moments that we share, Lord. And I ask for every single person right now, God, that you would, that you would speak right to them. Lord, even though I don't know all their stories and I don't know where they're at right now, God, I thank you that you do. You know exactly where they are. And you don't just know, but you care for them this morning, God. And so I pray you would take your word and speak to them right where they are. Encourage them by your word this morning. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4, again, as we said, they're so different. The third chapter is so exciting. There's, 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 there's so much going on. It's the mountaintop for Jesus. And chapter 4 is the wilderness. Um, to, to describe these two chapters contrasting against each other, like you could say it like this. Uh, chapter number 3, there was huge crowds around Jesus. Chapter number 4, there was solitude and there was silence. Chapter number three, the voice of God says, you're my, you're my son, I love you. He's hearing the voice of his father. Chapter number four, he's hearing the hiss of Satan. In the third chapter, he's being anointed. In the fourth chapter, he's being attacked. In, in the third chapter, he's in the waters of baptism. The next chapter, he's in the fire of temptation. Like you see the sharp contrast here. And it's funny how in our spiritual journey, we, we learn from Jesus and in our lives, our lives are full of both of these chapters. And often they come right up against each other, don't they? See, our, our, our spiritual journey, a large percentage of it will be in chapter 3 where you're hearing the voice of God and things seem to be going good and you have faith and hope and it's easy to see why. But a large percentage of our faith journey and following Jesus will also be in the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness where it's harder to trust God. And it's in the wilderness where the attack of Satan seems to be right in front of your face. And temptation seems to be overwhelming. And it's in the wilderness where we also have to lean in. And we also have to trust God. And we also have to have faith. I don't just want to have faith for the mountaintops. I want to have faith in the valleys. I don't just want to have faith when everyone looks at my life and say, well, of course, that, that, that makes sense. I want to have faith when I'm going through it in the wilderness, when it doesn't make sense. Or people look at my life and they say, something's different about this guy because he's in the wilderness, but he still has hope. Jesus shows us our, our faith journey is filled with both of these things. Even Jesus himself faced temptation. The perfect, spotless son of God faced temptation from the enemy. The great theologian Charles Spurgeon, he said it like this. I love this. He said, God has one son without sin, but he never had a son without temptation. Even Jesus himself faced temptation from the enemy. And please hear me this morning. And I don't think I have to convince you too hard of this. But if Jesus himself was tempted, you better believe you will be too. And we know this, right? If you tried to follow Jesus for more than five minutes, you realize there's a real enemy and temptation is real. And, and it's, it's part of our journey. It's part of our spiritual journey. And to get us all on the same page before we continue, there's a few things about temptation that I want to get us all on the same page so we, we're, we, we all know what we're talking about when we say temptation. Biblically speaking, the word temptation translated from the original language, it simply means this. It's a test. It's a test. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, hey, it's a test. 
It's a test. Temptation literally translated as a test. It's also important to realize this morning that it is not sinful to be tempted. Is anybody thankful for that? Even Jesus himself, again, who was sinless, he was tempted. It's not sinful to be tempted, but to give in to the temptation. The last thing that I want to make sure we're all on the same page about before we continue is this. Is that God is not the author of temptation. James chapter 1 tells us this. In verse number 13, it says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Okay, so what James is telling us is, he's trying to paint a picture of our God as a good father. Our God does not dangle the carrot in front of his children, hoping they will mess up and stumble and fall and fail. God is a loving father, a gracious father. He is not out to get you and out to hope that you fail and mess up. Our God is not the author of temptation. However, he will allow you to be tempted by the enemy. He will allow temptation in our lives. And Jesus himself went through this. The the spirit of God led him to the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And it's there where we see how the enemy tries to tempt Jesus. And we see, the, we, we, we see the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. And I'd like to pull something from those to hopefully encourage you as we fight temptation in our spiritual journey. Are you with me this morning? You ready to go? Amen. The first temptation we see of Jesus is in verse number 3 of chapter 4, where Satan comes to him. And here's the temptation in verse number 3. If you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So these stones to become bread. So Jesus was fasting. He was in the desert. So he's hungry, right? He's hungry. So the temptation that is put in front of him is this. Hey, these stones that are around you here in the wilderness, turn them into bread so so you can eat. So you can feed yourself. Turn these stones into bread. And until I read this text, this temptation has never even crossed my mind. I've never once thought to myself or been tempted to turn a rock into bread. I'd be willing to bet the same is true about you. This has never been a temptation in your life. Can I get a witness today? This this has never been. I have never once been tempted to turn a rock into bread. And the reason I have never been tempted in this way, it's very simple. The reason is because I can't do that. I'm incapable. I can't do it. If, if we could this morning, we can label this temptation as supernatural, right? It's supernatural. I, I don't have it in my abilities. I could study and I could get a degree and I could try. It's supernatural. I can't do it. Can't do it. There was a supernatural temptation. But notice, isn't it interesting that the enemy put a supernatural temptation in front of the only person who was supernatural? He put a supernatural temptation in front of the only person who could do it. Here's what this tells me about the enemy and how we'll be tempted. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you're taking notes, just wave at me. Let me see you. Note takers are history makers. Come on, somebody. The first one is this. You'll be tempted based on your strengths. You say, wait, no, I thought it was my weakness. Like where I'm weak, that's where the enemy wants to get me. And while I think that might be true, I want you to know this morning that you'll be tempted based on your strengths. It was a supernatural temptation that was put in front of the only one who was supernatural. The temptation was, was directly targeted and focused to the only one who was able to fulfill it. 
was tempted based on the strengths. And I want you to know the enemy will tempt you based on your strengths. There's God-given gifts and abilities and talents. There's things that God, there's seeds God has planted in your life that over the years you've cultivated and you've grown and you've developed. And there's, there's strengths and gifts in each and every one of you. There are God-given talents and abilities that all of us have. And I think what we think a lot of times is, is the enemy, Satan wants to steal my gift. Satan wants to lessen my gifts and my, my talents. And, and, and he, he wants to take away the things that God has given me. And I, I, I would say this. I don't know. I don't think Satan wants to lessen your gift. I think the enemy wants to maximize your gift and use it for his own purposes. He, he loves your gift. He wants to use your gift. Not for God's agenda or God's kingdom, but for his own agenda. You'll be tempted based on your strengths. See, I think it's where you're the most gifted, where you're the most confident, where you're the most successful, where, where, where you are the most comfortable. It's, it's in that area. That's where I think you should be on your greatest guard. To be able to evaluate and say, am I using my gifts for kingdom purposes or is the enemy using my gifts for his own agenda? Be tempted based on... Your strengths. See, your strengths, they can be tools in the hand of God or they can be weapons in the hand of the enemy. They can be tools in the hand of God to push the gospel forward and push the kingdom forward and push the local church forward and push, push the needs of others forward. Or they can be weapons in the hand of the enemy to bring destruction. A great example for some of you guys, your leaders. You have the gift and the mantle of leadership on your life. When you say things, people listen. When you go places, people follow. You have influence. Your words steer and direct and guide the lives of people. And the enemy doesn't want to take away your influence. The enemy loves your influence. The enemy wants you to use your influence not to motivate people to do what they ought to do, but to empower them to do what they shouldn't. The enemy would love for you to use your influence to empower people to do things they shouldn't do. To, instead of using your influence to push the kingdom of God forward. See, the enemy doesn't want to lessen your gift. The enemy wants to use it. We, we, we need to be aware of the fact there's a real enemy who wants to tempt us based on our strengths. Based on our strengths. You'll also be tempted to use your strengths just on yourself. When, when Jesus was fasting in the wilderness, what, what, what he was doing, the reason he was there, he, he was putting aside food. He was saying, I'm going to die to the flesh. I'm not going to depend on food. I'm going to get alone and pray and just depend on the Father for this period of time. And what the temptation from Satan was, was to use his gift just to take care of his need right there. Satisfy his own need, just meet his need, but not depend on the Father. And you, you'll also be tempted with your strengths just to look after yourself. The enemy would love for you to use your gifts and your talents and your strengths just on you. If the, only, if the only recipient of your gifts and your abilities is you, the enemy loves it. So we need to be challenged to evaluate our gifts, evaluate the things God has given us, evaluate what's in our hand and say, is the enemy using this for his own agenda or is it in the hand of God to use for kingdom purposes? Be tempted based on your strengths. The second temptation of Jesus, the enemy leads him up to the temple in the middle of the city, in the holy city. This is a busy area. There's homes around. There's apartments around. There's commerce around. There's people around. They're in the middle of the city on top of the temple. And the temptation of Jesus 
is this. Hey, throw yourself off the temple, which Satan was actually quoting Old Testament scripture out of context, but he was using scripture to try to tell Jesus, hey, throw yourself down. God will save you. He'll save you. And what's interesting, as I began to study the passage, almost every scholar believes that if Jesus would have given in to this temptation, God would have rescued him. God would have rescued him. Jesus would have thrown himself from 200 feet off the temple, and there would have been a miracle that day. God would have rescued him. And here's what that would have done. That would have instantly got him a lot of attention. Remember, he's in the middle of the city. People all around, stuff happening. Immediately, he would have gotten a crowd. Immediately, he would have gotten attention. Immediately, he would have gotten applause. There would have been praise. There would have been people... They, they, they might not have believed he was the son of God, but they would have believed he was something supernatural. They would have believed he was something special. There would have immediately been affirmation and applause and crowd and following. And you hear all that and you say, well, that's good, right? Like Jesus is going to get a crowd and get, get a following and get all that stuff later. Like that's going to happen. That's not bad stuff. But here's the problem with it. That was not God's plan. The, the second temptation of the enemy is this, you'll be tempted to go off mission. Be tempted to go off mission. See, Jesus came to earth. He put on flesh and lived among us on specific assignment from God. He came here to do what the Father wanted, when the Father wanted it. And this temptation of the enemy was to get Jesus off course. Look, Jesus was going to perform miracles. He was going to heal. He was going to go in someone's home and heal the sick and tell them, hey, don't tell anyone about this right now. He he was going to preach the word. He was going to talk about the kingdom of God coming. He was going to forgive people's sins. He was going to heal. He was going to do all these things. But but, but he didn't. He came to do it on God's timeline. If he he gave into the temptation here, what it would have done, it would have sped up his ministry and got him off the timeline that God wanted him on. Look, if the enemy cannot slow you down, the enemy will try to speed you up. If you're too fast or you're too slow, it doesn't matter. But the plan of the enemy, the temptation of the enemy is to get you off mission. To get you off of where God wants you to be. And look, this this is very difficult, in my opinion, in 2018. Because in 2018, you are bombarded with and surrounded by and exposed to a lot of good things. Like if you want a good idea, you can find it. In your handheld device. (laughs) If you want a good opportunity, you can find it somewhere. We're exposed to so much. Everything is so accessible. So there's good things and good ideas and good opportunities and good plans all around us. And here's what the world will do. The world will go after any good thing. Any good opportunity, any good idea, they'll go after it. But as followers of Jesus, we must, have, we must ask ourselves, we don't just want to go after good things. We want to go after God things. It, just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. As, as followers of Jesus, we need, to, we need to use wisdom. We need to do all that kind of stuff. But we need, we need to not just ask, is this good? Does this make sense? But is this where God wants me to be? We need to get along with God. We need to get in His Word. We need to hear from His Spirit and say, God, is this what you want me to do? Is this when you want me to do it? How do you want me to do it? I don't just want a good idea. I want a God idea. I just want to be on a, on a good track. I want to be on God's track for my life. 
And the enemy will put good things in front of you to pull you away from God things. Begin to think about this in uh, probably for the last, it's been like eight or nine years. It seems like so long. A lot of my guy friends have been telling me on, the, on a consistent basis about this restaurant called Texas de Brazil. And if you've never been there, you don't know what it is. I didn't know what it was either. It's, it's a Brazilian steakhouse where you go and it's like $50 or something, but it's unlimited meat just forever. So you have this little button on your table. It's green on one side and it's red on the other side. And so when your table is on the green side, these chefs just bring large plates of meat and just cut off however much meat you want. And when you're done, you turn it to red and then you eat it and you turn it back to green. And however long you want to eat, you just eat meat forever. (laughs) So they've been telling me about this place for years, all the time, all the time, all the time. And, and it was driving me crazy. It, was, it sounded so good. I find like six months ago, I got to go for the first time. I fasted for 40 days before. Come on, somebody. I was so, I was so excited. Like, I was like, this is one of my life's greatest moments. I've been waiting for this for like nine years. It was, it was so pumped up. We go to Texas State, Brazil. We, we, me and my brothers are there. We all sit down at our table. And our server comes over. And it's like, hey, guys, you can check out, you know, the salad bar, the buffet before. So, and I'm like, oh, there's a, there's a buffet? Are, are you kidding me? Like, this, there's, there's all this stuff and all the meats. And I, I was like bugging out. I was going crazy. And so I go over to the salad bar, and this is like the salad bar of all salad bars. Unbelievable. It takes like nine minutes to walk down it. Huge. Nine kinds of romaine lettuce. You know, just every kind of... They had the good croutons. There's a difference between croutons and good croutons. They had the good croutons. Any kind of topping, any kind of cheese. You know, just like... It was so good. So, so I see it, and I, I, you know... Grab my plate. I'm filling, I'm loading up this massive salad and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. Just getting warmed up. And then I just stop. Like in the middle of the salad bar, I'm like, time out, time out. I paid $50 to get in this place. <laughs> I had paid 50 bucks for romaine lettuce. <laughs> Come on. I ain't paying 50 bucks for a salad. I can go to Ruby Tuesdays for that. No offense to Ruby Tuesdays. Didn't pay 50 bucks for this salad. So I like put it all back. You know, I was like, I'm only getting the meat. Like there's, there's sirloin coming. Come on. I'm not filling up on salad. There's sirloin coming. Look here. Here's what the enemy would love for you to do. The enemy would love for you to fill up on salad and miss out on the sirloin. There's nothing wrong with the salad. It's good. It's fine. But if it causes you to miss out on the sirloin, you don't want it. The the plan of the enemy is to put good things in front of you and good things around you and get you to settle for good things to miss out on God things. What I want to tell you and encourage you with this morning is let's not just go after any good thing. Let's say, God, where do you want me to be? God, what do you want me to do? God, what is your plan? What are your ways? What is your agenda for my life? Help me not to settle for a good thing and miss out on a God thing. God, I want to be where you want me to be. Again, this is hard in 2018 because you can look at everyone else's life at, at any time and see what everyone else is doing. And I want to encourage you, just because someone else has a certain plan and mission from God doesn't mean it's your mission. Get along with God and say, God, what do you want me to do? God, how do you want me to do it? God, where are you putting me? God, I, I don't need someone else's agenda for their life. I, I don't need someone else's plan. I want your plan for my life and I want to walk in it. You'll be tempted by the enemy. To go off mission. To, to settle for things that are less than what God would have for you. Run your race. Know your assignment. Get along with God and say, God, where do you want me to be? Help me not to go 
off mission. The third temptation of Jesus after they leave the holy city, the Bible says that the enemy brings him up to the highest point of the mountain. And the temptation is this. He's overlooking the whole kingdom. And it says, all of the splendor, all of the glory. Isn't it interesting that Satan is showing Jesus and tempting him with something that Jesus spoke into being? That was his. Jesus created it. Jesus spoke it. And the enemy, he's tempting him with it. And he says, hey, all of this, it's all, gonna, it's, it's all yours. It can be yours if you bow down right here and you worship me. The third temptation is this, you'll be tempted to get the right thing the wrong way. What's interesting is the kingdom was going to be Jesus. It was going to be His. But it was not going to come by bowing down to the enemy. It was not going to come by putting together an army and, and overtaking it. No, no, no. It was going to come by Him coming and serving and laying down His life. On the third day, rising again, defeating the power of the enemy, defeating the power of sin. It was going to come. He was going to create a spiritual kingdom. And one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus is on the throne. And it's all going to be his. And the temptation was good, but that was not the way it was to be done. He was tempted with the good thing to get it the wrong way. I want you to know the enemy will put good things in front of you and tell you to shortcut in order to get it. Tell you to compromise a little bit in order to get a good thing. But see, to God, it's not just what you get, but it's how you get it. It's not just what you have, it's how you got it. You'll be tempted to get the right thing the wrong way. There was one theologian, he said it like this. The temptation is the greatest when the end is good. So we have to ask ourselves, we can't just go after good things or God things, but we have to go about them God ways. The enemy will tempt you. To get the right thing the wrong way. This was a temptation of Jesus to shortcut the cross. You you, you don't need to go to the cross. Bow down to me and it's yours. Jesus didn't just come for the kingdom. He's not just coming back for his church. He didn't just come to earth. He, He came to do it the right way. He came as a servant. To lay down his life. One day he'll come back as a king. To bring us home. I think we could be here really for the, for the whole rest of the day talking about the ways the enemy tempts us and looking. This story in Matthew chapter 4, I encourage you to go read it this afternoon or this week. It's so deep. There's so much to it. There's so many layers. But I think the bottom line, I think, I think what we can all agree on this morning is the fact that all of us, we're all on a level playing field. All of us are tempted by the enemy. I think I have to convince you of that. I think if you've tried to follow Jesus for any amount of time, You'll say the enemy's real and the enemy in wilderness seasons tempts me. What's interesting is that's been true of every person for all of time forever. The first man ever, Adam, he was tempted. The, the, the first man was, was tempted by the enemy. The enemy came on attack to tempt the first man who ever lived. And since then, every single person in all of humanity has fought the same battle. They've faced the same temptation from the enemy. And here's what we also have in common. Not only have we all fought these battles, but we've all lost them. Adam, very beginning of Genesis, squares off against the enemy, faces the enemy. Temptation arises. Adam loses. 
for over 2,000 years since Adam, all of humanity has faced off and we've all lost. Yeah. We haven't just lost once. <laughs> Come on, can I get a witness? We've lost a lot. <laughs> we've all faced temptation and we've all lost every single person in all of humanity for all of time except for one man. For one man. It's the God-man, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse number 15. I love this verse so much. It says, For we do not have a high priest, it's talking about Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Okay, so hear me. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're, you're, you're hearing me and you're thinking, You know what, Nate? You got no idea what I'm up against, man. You got no idea how the enemy tempts me. You got, you got no idea the demons I fight. You got no idea what I have to face in trying to keep the faith and follow Jesus. And the truth this morning is, Nate Clark might not know. I might not be able to relate. But Hebrews chapter 4 says, Jesus knows. And he doesn't just know because he's God up in heaven and he knows everything. No, no. He came and he put on flesh and he lived among us. In Hebrews chapter 4, 15. Verse 15 tells us he, he was tempted in every way. So, so you're saying, Nate, you don't know what I'm up against. I, I know, but Jesus knows what you're up against. He, he was there. He fought the battle. He squared off the same thing. Jesus knows. And it tells us not only has he been tempted in every way, but he did not sin. Look, th- th- this should make us marvel at Jesus. The battles that we lose, Jesus won. The things that cripple you and knock you down and paralyze you, Jesus defeated those things. The things that got you discouraged and exhausted and you've convinced yourself you'll never win, Jesus squared off and he won. The battles that you and I have lost, Jesus won. He won them for us. He's our great high priest who, who knows and because he knows, he can help us. Hebrews chapter number 2 verse 18 tells us, Because he suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Because he knows and because he won, now he can help you. Amen. Now he is our strength, he is our source, he is our help. Look, on your own, we, you're not strong enough or great enough. We are no match for the enemy on our own. But because of Christ and because he came and defeated the power of sin on the cross, because of Christ, we have help from heaven and we can overcome. We can overcome. I want to ask the worship team to come back and help me as we close. Because of Christ, we can overcome. It made me think about the Lord's Prayer where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, hey, pray like this. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Do you know why Jesus is telling us to pray, deliver me from the evil one? We have to pray that because we cannot deliver ourselves. If we could deliver ourselves, we wouldn't need to pray for deliverance. We could just be told to deliver ourselves. But, but Jesus says, no, no, pray, deliver me from the evil one. Because we can't do it ourselves, but through Christ we can. Yeah. Through Christ we can have victory. As kids, we would uh, play airsoft in our, the back of my parents' house. They had some woods. We would play little <coughs> airsoft guns, you know. So plastic BBs or whatever. 
Me and my brothers, we all had the cheap plastic airsoft guns from Walmart. We had the kind where you shot them and the BBs would just kind of like, it was like a rainbow. It was like, pshoom, it just kind of fell down. <laughs> like it was the kind when you were playing and like shooting your friends, you had to tell them that you shot them because they didn't feel it. <laughs> like, I know you're out. <laughs> that, 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 I mean, that's the kind of guns we were playing with. But my, but my neighbor, his name was Sam. Sam didn't have those kind of guns. Sam spent all of his allowance on airsoft. He had the kind of guns with like CO2 canisters connected to them. Sam's airsoft guns would make you bleed from 100 yards away. Whenever Sam came out to play with the the kids in the neighborhood, everyone ran back home to grab nine layers of hoodies to put on before Sam came and started shooting you. But when Sam was on your team, it's a good day. Come on, somebody. It's a good day. I'm on Sam's team. Now, if you were on Sam's team, you had to have way less players. I remember this one time. It was me and my brother and Sam, the three of us, against like 10 kids. But we had Sam. We might have been outnumbered, but we were not outmatched. Come on, somebody. We had Sam. I remember we started at the top of the hill. There was this little hill in the woods. We would start at the top. The other team would start down there. We started. Ready, set, go. Me and my brother camped at the top of the hill. We didn't move. Sam ran down to the side a little bit. We had some radios, a little radio walkie-talkie things. And we would radio Sam. We're up at the top. Like, scouting out. Sam, dude in a blue hoodie behind the stump. Like 10 seconds later, we would just hear the kids screaming, <laughs> We're up at the top of the hill like, get him, Sam. Like fist bump. And then look again. Dude in, a re- in red shorts running across the path. Now. <laughs> you know, Sam was taking kids out. We're at the top of the hill, not doing nothing, just radioing to Sam. Reminds me of the Lord's Prayer. Saying, deliver me from the evil one. What, what, what are we praying? What are we doing? How are we living? We're saying, God, I'm no match on my own. I don't have the power. I don't have the strength. But I know you do. I know you are willing. I know you are able. I know you came and you conquered sin. And you died and you rose again. And so God, I'm calling to you who is more powerful than me. I'm calling on you who is willing and able to help me in my time of temptation. So I pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Lord, help me win a battle I cannot win on my own. And through his strength and through his spirit and through his word, you can win. Don't let the enemy tell you this morning that that, that the battle is over, that you've lost it so many times, you should just give up. Some of you are exhausted and you've given up fighting. Came here to encourage you this morning. God can help you win. Look, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is the last verse I'll share. It says this at the end of verse 13 in chapter 10. When you are tempted, He, talking about Christ, will provide a way out so you can endure. Look, do do not tell me we can't win. On your own, you're right. But through Christ, you can win. He came, He beat it, and He's here to help us. So we cry out to Him, God, deliver me from the evil one.
You are my strength. You are my source. You are my help. And through you, I can have victory. If you believe it this morning, can you say amen? Amen. Would you stand all over the room with me this morning? I'd like to say a prayer of faith over you before Pastor Chris comes and dismisses. And just for a moment, if every head bowed and every eye closed, put it aside and anything distracting you, just take a moment with you and God right now. Maybe some of you came in here and the enemy is having his way in your life and you're defeated and you're exhausted. Maybe you've, quite frankly, you've just given up. Maybe as God's word has been shared this morning that you're realizing the enemy has got you off mission. Maybe you're off mission today. Maybe you've got strengths that you know God has blessed you with, but you know you're not using them for kingdom purposes. You know the enemy is using your gifts for his own agenda. I'd like to pray pray a prayer of faith over you this morning that God would help you and give you strength to win the battle this morning. If you're comfortable, would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender? Father, we, we, we thank you for your son Jesus, that you came... You lived a perfect life. You defeated the battles that we lost. God, we thank you for that. And Lord, we are your sons and your daughters, your church this morning. And we're crying out to you and asking, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, I pray for those that are off mission here this morning. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and guide them. That you would get them back on mission where you want them to be. God, I pray for those that the enemy is using their gifts and talents. God, that today they would surrender their lives and their gifts and their talents into your hands. God, may the enemy not be victorious in our life, but we thank you that we've got the victory through Christ. And Lord, we love you and we worship you and we rejoice in your victory for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can you put your hands together for God this morning? Could you give it up for Nate one more time? Is it not a good word? I'm going to pray a, bless, pray a blessing over you. You can be generous on your way out. And we're going to advance the gospel this week. Amen? Through you. Father, we thank you. I pray your blessing rests over these wonderful people as they go. Lord, I pray that your will would be done in us as it is in heaven. Perfect every time. I pray that this week. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. We'll see you back here next week.